0: Remembering things, praise forever. Uh, to the king of kings, that's what we're doing, right? This, our lives are meant to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ in all things at all times. We are singing joy to the world and joy to our hearts. We're preaching to ourselves as we sing those carols. We are proclaiming to ourselves, rejoice, your king has come. Rejoice, the savior is here. Rejoice, the promises have been fulfilled. Okay. So I'm trying to get myself to put my mind back on those things because let me tell you where my mind is on Sunday mornings Um, I'm just gonna confess it. My mind is like why won't that candle light my question is Did you get people to sign up for the brunch next week? Did you I gotta say hey? No, 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 no Nothing else matters except the praise and worship of my King now There are other things that matter. I mean, people matter. There are needs in this world, and we are taking our prayers and lifting them up as we gather because the King answers prayer, and the King keeps His promise. Today, we're going to look at how God spoke to Mary, and the response of her heart and her song teaches us because we're looking at the songs of Christmas and how these songs teach us. So let's pray and ask God to speak to each one of us today from mary's song let's pray father we come before you remembering that you are the giver of every good and perfect gift and even when you give us challenges and really lord you even use the difficulties we face in our lives you use those trials um, as discipline as correction as transformative tools to make us like your son that we might bring even more glory and honor to Lord, let our lives praise you, Father. Praise your Son and praise the Spirit who you've given us to make us not only one, but to make us instruments of your love and peace and hope and joy in this world. Speak through your word this morning. Change each of us. We need you. I need you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Well, let's look at this story of Mary during this Christmas time. It says in Luke chapter 1 that in the sixth month of Elizabeth, remember that was last week, Zachariah and Elizabeth, Elizabeth, an older woman, a relative of Mary's, uh, these Levites, uh, these ones who were priestly, she had never had a child in her old age. She was going to have a baby, this one who would go before Jesus, this John the Baptist prophet who would come. And so this is Elizabeth, and it says in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. That's a descendant of King David in the line of the king the, where the promised Messiah would come. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. He goes on to say, the angel gives some words, but we're going to skip to verse 32, where it says about this Jesus, this Messiah, this baby that you would conceive. It says, He will be great, and He, this baby that you're going to have, will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him his the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Okay. Mary's response, look at verse 34. How can this be? Now there's a lot of how can this be at this moment. Um, How am I gonna have a baby? I'm a virgin, she says. That's not possible. How can this be that my son will be called the most high, son of the most high God? That doesn't make any sense. How can this be that he will rule over David's throne? We're under oppression right now. The Romans are in charge. They have conquered us. They are ruling us and oppressing us. How can this be? And, of course, this main one, because I'm a virgin. It says, the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. In verse 36, Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to have to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. Do you believe that this morning? No word from God. Not what you hope God said. Not what you think God said. Not what you were really your plans and your desires that you sort of say, I think God's telling me this. No, but a word from God, when God speaks, no word from God has ever failed. And Mary's response in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. What was it like to be Mary? quite frankly, what it was like to be Joseph, too. I mean, I don't know. if Some of us don't relate as much to Mary, but what was it like to have this angel appear and say, hey, your life is going to be totally different than what you expected. Hey, you had wedding plans, and you were excited about that. But guess what? Instead, while you're planning your wedding, you're going to be pregnant. Hmm, That wasn't how we had planned this. Um, Oh, hey, in the middle of it, you're going to be bearing the Son of God. He's going to be the ruler of all. He is going to be the one who will bring bring hope, and joy, and salvation to all people. Um, Boy, I was kinda worried about being a mom anyway, um, and I didn't wanna mess up my kid, but now it's like if I mess my kid up, then he's gonna mess up the whole world. I mean, you can imagine. What was it like to feel the pressure of Mary? What was it like? We have some Christmas songs now, right? You know, Mary, did you know that the baby boy, right? right? We sing those, right? We have these ones where it's like, Mary, did you know your child would be the ruler of the nation? What does it mean? How do I do this? Where do I go? It's interesting Mary's response. Yes, Lord. May your word be fulfilled. Yes, Lord. In Isaiah 26, 8, it just says this. Yes, Lord. Walking in the ways of your truth, we wait for you. Because your name and your renown are the desire of our heart brothers and sisters, young people, young adults, college students, older adults, not that one's on one side, one's on the other, we're all kind of mixed. Uh, <clears throat> you know that that's the only way we discover God's will. Yes, Lord. As I'm walking in the ways you've taught me, yes, Lord. Walking in the ways of your judgment, yes, Lord. Because your name and your renown are the desire of my I want what you want. I want for you to be glorified. In Romans chapter 12, the apostle Paul says, in view of all of God's mercy, you present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, not just the songs we sing, but this total act of surrender. And in that act of surrender, it says, then, then, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You don't find God's will when you're not surrendered. You don't find God's will when you're trying to go your own way. And so Mary at the very beginning just says, I don't know, I don't know how to do all this. I I don't even understand how this will be, but okay. Yes, Lord. Can you say, yes, Lord? Yes, Lord. But then Mary does something practical. Mary does something very, very practical. Not only is she surrendered, but then she does an unusual thing. She goes to visit her cousin. In the middle of all of this mess, she goes to be with Elizabeth, this older woman, this woman who has been around the the blocks a few times, this woman who has not raised her own children, but is currently going through pregnancy and is farther along, and goes and spends time with Elizabeth. I think that's brilliant. I think that is actually super wise. I I think that's super smart. Mary went to be around with a woman who had probably helped many other women uh, during pregnancy and was now pregnant herself, so that as Mary was going through pregnancy, she would have someone to kind of be a mentor, someone who could kind of help her out. And as Elizabeth needed some help in giving birth, I think probably Mary might've been right there to help during that time of birth. You know how like moms, you often go and visit like, daughters when they're having babies and we have parents that come and help and right grandparents are it's amazing thing I think this was a time when Mary was actually going to both help and learn help and learn as if this were orchestrated by some brilliant plan by your ministerial pastoral leadership We are having generation to generation today, right after service, where we're going to put the men in the church and the women in the church together, where you can have some snacks and have some tea or have some coffee and some snacks. And the younger women are going to have some time to get to know the older women. And the younger men are getting some time to know the older men. And the older men are getting some time to, like, know the younger men. And we're going to do some intergenerational, just a little hangout, just a little little snack time, just a little bit of how can we become a church body if we don't know each other if we're not even sure of each other's names. And as we've grown so quickly in recent years, this is an opportunity for you to come. So, uh, wow, practical application right here today. I thought Mary was wise in making a connection with Elizabeth, her cousin, at a special time in her life. Sometimes if we'll go ahead and make those connections now, then when we have those needs, when we're looking for that first career, when we're looking for advice about marriage, when we're looking for advice about friendships and careers, about uh, living your life in singleness, or living, uh, we have those mentors, those friends, those people who have maybe lived through those situations before us. We're being the church body that God intended. So I hope you'll stick around, even if you'll give it 15, 20, 30 minutes, just to spend some time. We've got a little bit of activity so that you can meet somebody that you need to, maybe God wants to have in your life, both ways. Well, Mary got up, and she went, as we said, to Elizabeth. And when she got to Elizabeth and, and greeted her and greeted Elizabeth, Elizabeth said, the baby in my womb jumped, leaped inside of me. Did I? And I you know, I've never experienced any of this. Some of you women can explain how this goes. But the baby kicks inside the womb. And apparently John the Baptist like, really made sure Elizabeth knew, hey, that's Jesus right there. And Elizabeth said, what a grace that the mother of my Lord my younger little cousin, but the mother of my Lord would come to visit me. She knew this is something unique. This is something special. And Mary filled with the Holy Spirit is overjoyed at this. And here we get this second song of Christmas, this song of Mary that has become what's known as the Magnificat, but it's Mary wanting to glorify God. And she speaks these words, kind of a spoken word, a spoken word that I feel like is, well, We'll see that it's poetic. It is a song. And it says this in verse 46 of Luke chapter 1. Mary says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for He has been mindful of the state of His servant. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Great is His holy name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. As if that were planned today. From generation to generation. He has performed his mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. But he's lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. But he sent away the rich empty. He has helped his servant Israel. He's remembered to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Now Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three more months. Now it was her six months of pregnancy, so three more months until the baby was born. Probably helped out a little bit, and then she returned home. What can we learn from the song of Mary? That's our focus today, these these songs. What can we learn from the Song of Mary? Well, this Song of Mary, I think, is essentially a song of worship. And it teaches us about how we are to have our hearts in tune with God as we worship Him. So let's see how Mary's song teaches us about worship first it reveals that real worship, true worship, it comes from the heart. It is not something that is merely outward. It is not something that is going through the motions. It's not something that mer- merely checks a box off in your life. If you're going to worship God, you worship Him from your heart and from your soul. It will, did you see where it says this in verse 46? It says, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Brothers and sisters, it is not worship. If you are coming to a, I mean, it can be one of those incredible worships and I mean, that the smoke machines and the bands and everybody in your hearts, but if it's just mouths, words coming out of your mouth, it's not worship. You can, oh, I'm doing my Bible reading for today. This is my devotion to God, read through it. And you know, your mind's thinking about the whole list of things you're supposed to do. And you're like, well, I'm not exactly sure what that said, but yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, God's got to be pleased with that. Put it back. It, it, it's not worship if it's just merely like, like, you know, I listened to a few Christian tunes in the background while I was cleaning my the kitchen. Worship has to do with my soul, my spirit. It's the inside that counts. I mean, some of us are not the best singers in the world, and that's okay if you don't sing out loudly. Okay, you could bless everybody. <clears throat> might keep it in the volume a little lower, but the deal is it needs to come. It needs to come from the heart. It needs to be in our souls. What does Paul say um, about prayer? He says, don't be drunk in wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit and speak to one another. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord. See, I can kind of tell when I'm walking with the Lord, there's a song. When I'm walking with the Lord, there's something in my heart. When I'm wa- verses are coming to mind quickly. The, the, the songs are coming out. My heart and my soul glorifies the Lord. This Christmas, this season, would you make sure, do a little heart check, are you singing to the Lord? In 1 Samuel 16, when God is evaluating future leaders, God tells uh, the prophet Samuel to pick David. Why? Because he says, look, David is the kind of guy that's got the right heart. And he says this in verse 7 in 1 Samuel 16. He says, the Lord does not look at things that people look at or at the outward appearance. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks upon the heart. Where is your heart lately? Is it full of worry? Is it full of despondency? Is it full of despair? Is it full of criticism? Is it angry? Or is your heart full of some worship time where you're saying, come rejoice with the Lord with me. He has been good to his servant. He has been good to me. John chapter four, Jesus says this. Jesus said, look, the time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Lord or the Father in spirit and in truth for they are the kind of worshipers the father is seeking it wasn't about which mountain they worshiped on because that was the argument between some of the samaritan jews it wasn't about what forms that they worshiped it wasn't how just going to confess, I can't remember which candle is the hope candle, which candle is the peace candle. I don't know. Wait, wait, I, I, I know that you're supposed to know this stuff, and I'm supposed to probably know what, what's what. But got to be honest, it doesn't fill my mind. I can't keep that many things in my head. I need a memory upgrade. I don't know what it takes. I mean, I'm, I'm probably running a 256K or something. I need to get up to like Windows 95 or something. I mean, something's got to, I, I need more memory. But what I really want is to keep the right heart. It's not the outward, it's the inward. Are we walking with the Lord? Do we love him? Those are the worshipers he's seeking. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. That's the opening line of Mary's song, the Magnificat. Come glorify the Lord within me. Come magnify his name together. True worship, real worship begins true worship also, I mean, it recognizes significance. It recognizes the significance of what God is doing, and it recognizes the significance of what God has done on your behalf, what He is doing in your life that is right and good and true and gives you worth that is beyond any worth. Look what it says in Luke chapter one. He says, he, the Lord God, has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all nations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Now, This is extremely true of Mary, right? I mean, all nations will call her blessed. Even Elizabeth was like, oh my goodness, the mother of my Lord has come to visit me. Yeah, you were my little cousin. I remember when you used to run around and like mess up my room, and I was like, Mary, get out of my room. I mean, these were cousins. But now, you're the mother of my Lord. This is a blessing that no one else in history has ever experienced, and no one in history ever will. This was a significant thing for Mary. But brothers and sisters, We have something that even now is that kind of level of significance. We have this place where God has been mindful of the humble estate of his servant, of all of us. Now, we're not the mother of Jesus, absolutely, but here's the deal. We, according to Colossians, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God dwells within each of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, um, it just says um, that that having believed you, uh, verse 13, having believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is this deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the day of Christ Jesus we become this temple of the Holy Spirit, that He resides in us, that our humble estate, God remembers. This was prophesied in Psalm chapter 8. It says, when I look at the heavens and the work of your fingers, I mean the stars and the galaxies and these incredible systems of planets, and I mean gravitational forces and all the, the wonders of creation. Or if I look at the microscope and the intricacies of the cells, some of you guys who are the scientists know so much more than me. It's like endoplasmic articulum, mitochondria, that's the powerhouse of the cell. Okay, I got my 8th grade knowledge, but some of you guys have a much deeper knowledge of these interworkings of, of the cell. And I mean, look from the highest heavens to the, to the smallest points. We see this incredible work that God has done. What is man that you think of him? that you're mindful of him. I mean, are we not just insignificant? I mean, sure, complex, certainly fearfully and wonderfully made, but what in the world would you care about us? And yet God shows that the son of man, he cares for him. Not just a reference to Jesus, but in this case, a reference to all of us, that God cares about you. In fact, he cares for you more than all the rest of creation. The angels, the turtles, the cells, the Saturn. It doesn't matter, God cares about you. Okay, we studied this last time in uh, when we wrapped up our last uh, Bible study in our uh, group on the big philosophical questions, you know one, Um, we were talking about this and like some of you guys have pets. You like your pets? I like my pets. I don't have any, but if I had some, I would like them. You know, I have these—I have these bunnies that run around in my backyard, and they feed and care for themselves. They're great pets. They're wonderful. I like—I pulled up last night, and there was one hopping across the yard. I was like, hey, okay, there he goes. Okay, that's fluffy or whatever. You know, uh, bugs. I, it doesn't matter. I can name them anything I want to. Um, they're just bunnies, but they take care of themselves. I love my pets. But some of you guys really care for your pets, right? You love your dog. You, you, you feed it. You care for it. And some of you guys, you're away from home, but you're going to go home over the break, and you're going to see your animals. And I mean, I, I get it. You love your dog. I love my dog growing up. It's a great thing. And I fed my dog and cared for it. And I would spend time with him, throw a ball, and it would go run. Get right, We got this. How do you know God doesn't just care for us like pets? I mean, He loves us. You know, He makes sure we have food, and, and he, He'd make sure we have clothing, and we, we have some purpose in our lives. or you know, He comes and plays with us sometimes. Here's how we know. You see, if there was ever a choice between your life and your pet, I'm pretty sure most of us are like, oh, I got to choose? Okay, here's my rabbit. Okay, here's my dog. Okay, here's a little fluffy. I mean, you're not going to give your life for your pets. But for your child, oh, now you're willing to give up your life. God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ Died for us. God demonstrated the full extent of his love and that he sent his one and only son to die for the world. Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Don't you realize that you are not a pet? You are not just like, oh, Saturn. You are not like a galaxy that God is from. You are worthy infinitely more because only for you, only for humanity, only alone did God give His one and only Son. You should feel your worth today. You should feel the significance. God chose Mary. God gave her a unique place. All the world will call her blessed because she and she alone would bear the Son of God in her womb. Yeah, that's significant, but you also have this same type of significance where the God of the universe placed on you a worth that is incredible that He put His Son on the cross for your sins, for you, so that you might spend an eternity Brothers, we have a joy to the world. We have a message to share that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. Let's proclaim him. Let's glorify him. Let's make him known. Back to Luke 1 for you have been mindful of the humble estate of your servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me." Yeah, there's great things that were done for Mary, but great things for us. Verse 10, um, <clears throat> and not only has He given us this new life, but He has put us together and with this Holy Spirit enjoying us, giving us ways to share. In 1 Peter chapter 4, it says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve one another as faithful stewards of God's grace in all its various forms. Not only did God's grace give you this Holy Spirit, give you eternal life. But now he's given you purpose. He has given you gifts to share. And guess what, brothers and sisters? You are that gift to the church. Don't skip our generation-to-generation generation time. You are a gift to each other. You, with the wisdom that God has taught you, you, with the, with, with, with the ways that you have spiritual gifts, whether it's in music, if you've seen people share, whether it's in um, teaching, whether it's in um, encouragement, whether it's in acts of service, God has made you a gift to this fellowship. He has made you a gift to the world. He has made you a gift to brothers and sisters in Christ. Be the gift that God has given you. Peter goes on to say it this way. um, If any one of you speaks, they should do so as speaking the very words of God. If they serve, they should do it with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised. This is worship, praising God through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and power forever and ever, amen. Do you see it? You are that gift. Okay, this is a little. Okay, this might. Okay, sting just a little. Okay, let's just. But this is preventative. This is preventative medicine. Here we go. You ready? Some of us are going to go see family. Anybody see family? Family? Some of us, when we're with our families, maybe we're not the gift that we're supposed to be. You know what I'm talking about? I I can be a little bit like lazier around my. Hey mom, can you get me something? Oh, get off your couch. You're 35, you're 40, you're 50 something years old. Go get your own. Uh, sometimes we can kind of expect our parents to do things that we shouldn't be expecting our parents to do. Sometimes we can be a little bit more gripey and complainy. Sometimes we can be a little bit too honest, if you know what I'm talking about. like. Uh, Well, you know, or a little bit on the gossipy side, or a little bit on the angry side, or we're quick, short-tempered side with all the Christmas stress. Sometimes we are not the gift and blessing. Peter is talking about within the church. He's talking about your spiritual gifts and sharing them. But there's an application here beyond, right? We are to be ambassadors of Jesus always. We are to be reflecting that new life in Christ always why would i treat my parents and my family members and my brothers and my cousins why would i act like, like i wouldn't do that for just a random stranger i wouldn't be that mean or that honest or that complaining or maybe this year as we enter this holiday travel time either family coming to you or you going to your family <clears throat> would you be a blessing and seek to be that blessing every day would you just try to just Say, Lord, empower me by your Holy Spirit to be the gift that you called me to be. You gave me your son. Empower me to be the gift in lives today. Give the gift that really counts, the gift of Jesus. Tell about him, but the gift of yourself, the self that God has called you to be in the midst of your family. All right, last, last thing today. Real worship... <laughs> It seems to go without saying, but real worship, what does it teach us? It not only teaches us to recognize significance, but real worship reveres the Lord. Real worship, it reveres the Lord. It gives honor to Him as the King of Kings. Look what it says, Luke 1. His mercy extends to those who fear Him. His mercy extends to those who fear Him. Brothers and sisters, we we actually are supposed to have this reverence, this fear of God, this fear, seeing him as holy. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it just says, fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take oaths in his name. Now, this idea of being afraid of God, I thought God loved you so much. He put worth, he put significance on your life. All of that is true, but we must never forget, God is God. We can't just play around like, well, I'll just kind of hold on to this little sin in my life. Or I'm just going to say no to God in these areas of my life. It does not work. God is God. He is king. As if we think that God won't act. Look, He loves you. Verse John chapter 4 tells us this. There is no fear in love. Perfect love drives all all fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. God does not punish us. But God does discipline us. Hebrews chapter 12 is clear, endure hardship as discipline, but punishment was all taken care of. Jesus took care of the punishment. He took all of our sins. He he paid for our sins in full, and there is not anything left in the account to pay for. He took care of all of that, but you continue to go your own way. You continue to reject what God has for you. It doesn't work. It's like running your car without oil. The car might be paid for. It might be yours. But you run that thing without oil. I had a friend that did that for a while. He said, something's not right. I'm like, yeah, let's look. Oh, bone dry. There's no oil in the thing at all. You're going to blow your engine up completely. Things go badly. Things go wrong. We need to respect and honor the Lord. Now, here do you see. Okay, when I said this was a song, Anyone want to learn a little extra something today? You're like, no, our brains are full. We have final exams this week. One more thing, one more thing. I'm that professor, right? One more thing I want to squeeze in. In Hebrew poetry, there are three types of what is called Semitic parallelism. And what it is is that in Hebrew poetry, the words didn't usually rhyme. But instead, they had like parallel expression. Sometimes they were synonymous parallelism, where the second line just sort of repeats the first. It's just sort of an echo. Sometimes it's antithetical parallelism, where the second section or the second line is exactly the opposite, is to create a contrast. And finally, there's those that are called synthetic parallelism, where it's a building. It's like, for three sins of Moab, I won't hold back. For four sins of Moab, I'm really going to display my wrath. There's sort of a building kind of thing going on. Watch how Mary, this is why I say it's a song, watch how Mary's song creates this parallelism to show us who God is. It says in verse 51, He performed His mighty deeds with His arm. He scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Now notice, there's a parallelism there, right? There's a building, there's an echoing. God did what? He performed mighty deeds. Well, let's kind of go a little deeper. Let's echo that. He has scattered those. This is what it means to scatter those who are in their, in their proud and in their inmost thoughts. This is how God's just showing his mighty deeds. But watch this. There's also a contrast going on. There's also, I mean, it's double duty here. There's an antithetical parallelism where God, when he acts, he performs mighty deeds. Our God is a God of action. And when he does it, he gets it done as opposed to the guys who are proud in their where? In most thoughts. Their stuff is like big talk, big ideas, but not big follow through, right? God is the God of follow through. His actions end up in deeds. They get, when God speaks, it gets done. In fact, that's all he has to do is speak and then the whole universe was created. Anybody got the, uh, <clears throat> you know, people in your life that talk a lot but don't get it done? Oh, I'm gonna help with those dishes. And they don't actually come and, oh, group project, you can count on me. And then at the last minute, you're having to do their section. Yeah, <clears throat> I was always that guy doing this, but everybody else stuff. tough, right? Oh, made me mad. God comes through every time. He's a God of action. He's a God of deeds. Where the proud, they're just proud in their thoughts. They're big talkers, but they don't come through. He does what? Verse 52, he has brought down the rulers from their thrones. But look at the contrast. He's lifted up the humble. Verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things and the contrast, he sent away the rich empty. Now, does that mean that God doesn't care about the rich or anything like that? No, but it's showing that God cares about the lowly. God cares about those who are in need. God cares about your needs. If they are needs of the heart, if they are needs of finances, if they are needs of sickness, God is the one who is always there. He is the one who wants to help. But when we are so prideful, when we are so satisfied in our wealth, when we think that our power is sufficient, then yeah, we don't have room for God. We don't have room for God to act or or to work because we're not even going to Him. When we think we and our political parties are the solution to the problems of this nation, well, that might be the biggest problem of all because it's not us, it's the Lord. He performs mighty deeds. He lifts up the hungry and fills them with good things. He is the one who rescues his servants but brings rulers down to nothing and sends the rich away empty. She recounts what God has done in verse 54. Mary says, because he has helped his servant Israel, he is remembered to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised. On that night when she gave birth, on that night when she conceived, At that time when Jesus entered the world and all of who God is came in the form of this helpless little baby, everything changed. There's a song I like, O Holy Night, and it just goes like this, and you'll see the same kinds of songs, the same themes. O Holy Night, the stars are brightly shining. It it is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till He appeared and the soul felt its worth. Did you feel it today? It's a thrill of hope, he says. Uh, The hope the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. So fall on your knees. Hear the angel voices. It's the divine night. O night divine. O night when Christ was born. Today, I hope that you walk away knowing that God loves you. I hope your soul feels its worth and responds in worship. Worship of the king that can do everything king who wants to call you into a deeper walk with him. Come, let's worship the king. Today, the music team, they're going to come and lead us in one more song. And as they do, maybe you have a decision to make. Maybe it's saying, look, I, we got to be a part of this church. God has called us to be here. We're here. We're in. Let's go. Come on down if you want to join this church. Or maybe you're saying, look, I i, I don't know what does to follow Jesus, but But I know i got to have it, and i got to have it today. If that's you, talk to us afterwards or come right now. Respond to the message of Christ. Come, respond to him and his call. Perhaps you just need some prayer this morning. We're here. Let's fall on our knees. Let's worship him together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Mary and her song that brings us back to a knowledge of you, a knowledge that you have called us into a deeper hope, a deeper walk with you. Lord, let us worship you not just in this hour, but always. We pray this in the name of our great King and Savior, Jesus the Lord.